moss. More moss to the people, yeah. More moss. More moss to the people, yeah. More moss. More moss to the people. Hi, this is Asa Nilsson, and you're listening to More Moss to the People, where each week we're going to be talking about slowing down, even hurling ourselves off of the Ferris wheel of the production-first mentality and choosing to live a courageous life based on our own needs first and daring to be different in a world where sameness is encouraged more highly than living a life of authenticity. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to More Moss to the People. This is Asa, and I am your host. Today, I have a guest from Toronto, Canada, beautiful Jeff Orr. Estate clearance and declutter, right? That's exactly it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Yes. Okay. I got it after the second try. That's good. That's <laughs> welcome. very good. Oh, welcome oh. aboard. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we had the time to get this together today. Me too. Thank you so much for inviting me along to talk with you. Because you know what? I'm so excited I found you because our mutual friend, Tammy Falls, introduced us via the intranets. And uh, and we met last week and I just, so I'm like, oh, I love him. I love him. I got Feeling was neutral. Oh, thank you. I'm like, you know, it's a, this new passion, this new humongous like burning in me now to be working with the decluttering and the Swedish death cleaning led me to you. And this is why I love when we lead from our hearts, uh, the beautiful people that we get to meet. So please, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are as a person and where you are today in your life. Certainly. So I'll go right back to the beginning. I grew up on a dairy farm north of the city. So very country rural roots. Um, but I've always had this affinity for people. I love working with people. I have this connection to nature and just everything about how things work together and function. I ended up studying landscape architecture, which taught me how to assess and use people in space and how we use space. And then I actually ended up in sales and got burnt out. Surprise, surprise, as that often happens in many of our careers. But what it all was doing was leading me to here, and I discovered organizing. I joined organizing and found that my passion was working with people who were struggling, finding their contentment with their items. And in a lot of cases, what I found the best place for me was actually working where people were grieving, uh, and that meant doing estate clearing. If somebody's passed or there's a big change in their life and I'm helping them get rid of items and uh, lessen their loads, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. and helping them get to the next stage of their life that I feel is a much happier and more content place for them. Mm-hmm. So 
I just, I love what I do. I, I can't believe I actually get to do this for a living. Isn't that great? Where I'm at. Oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> I just, I, I feel it so much every time I, even when I'm watching any of your stuff on Instagram, I mean, it just, it, it comes out of you that you're so obviously loving this work. Now, I have to ask you, why, why helping people who are grieving or why helping people at that stage of their, what, what about that has drawn you in? I think it's, for me, it's always been about helping people. I think that's my biggest gift. That's one of my unique abilities. I've always wanted to help people. And when I, where some people will shy away from that because they feel very, they don't know, they become uncomfortable. They don't know what to say to people. I sort of run into it head in, in a comfortable way, but very calming way to say, I'm here. I support that. What do you need? Without me trying to come in and take over and decide for them. I've always believed that people know what they want. They maybe just need the guidance to get there. And that's sort of, that's sort of my, that's sort of my strength is being able to guide people in that without me leading them uh, in a way that I'm uh, putting my ideas onto them. I can do it in a way that draws out what they're looking for. And I just, mm. I love it. It's that's, well, my that's a skill. That is a definite skill to not have like this, this intention of your own, like somehow it's about you. <laughs> it, it's not. <laughs> of course it's, it's oh, not. not <laughs> well, it's like, well, you know what? I know what they need to do. I know what they yeah. should do. And you know what? I'm just going to tell them what to do. Okay. And that's, I mean, that, have you ever found that you, you have people like that that are just like, oh, Jeff, just, just tell me what I need to do, please. They, yes, a lot. And a lot of times I do know what to do and yeah. that is to guide them through it. So I ask them the questions and, 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 and there are ways to do that in such a way to draw that out from people. I find most people actually know what they want. They just don't know how or won't give themselves the permission to do it. So I almost act like that person that gives them the authority to do it and feel good about their decisions. Yeah. yeah I help them choose. Yeah. So powerful. You know, like to to, to, for them to know, especially in a time of grieving, that somebody's got their back, number one, and that they're not alone, right? I mean, which is, I think that's probably the hardest thing that I, I would imagine that sometimes I get, you know, I can see that people would want to do it alone, but depending on where they're at in the process and if this is after a death or a family death or something, you know, there's, there's so much around it. And that's why I think that it's so important that, uh, Instead, like you're guiding people, you're not telling them, or you know, you're coaching, you're you're assisting them through the process, through lifting them up, which is so beautiful. Exactly, and and so much of it is about conflict. I find whether it's conflict with the people that are left, or there's conflict with dealing with the past, and they really struggle with that, and they think I should just know how to do this, but who taught you how to do? Like, right, it's not based something... on what experience. Yeah, exactly, and so a lot of people are going through this for the first time. They may not even have had friends or other family members that have gone through this, so they have no clue. And then they feel um, so defeated right to the, at the start of the mm -hmm. process. And it's it's so comforting to be able to come in. Uh, a lot of times, one of my one of my favorite signs that what client said to me was, um, "I didn't even know I needed your services or that you even existed until I found you." And then I'm going, "Where were you all my life? <laughs> Where, have you been? <laughs> Where have you been? Where have you been?" <laughs> And it's I thought, so well, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I think that like having conversations now that I, like I've told you, I mean, this is something very new that's just like coming into my, 
into my realm of understanding that this is something that I love and that I would be honored to help people with. And so when we spoke last week and you were talking about families, so when, when there are, do you have, I mean, because you've been doing this so much longer, do you have any tips for families, like specifically with multiple siblings, say, for example, if a parent passes? Like maybe just a little something to think about, like how you can make it go smoother. Uh-huh. So the big thing here is to try to get on board, get everybody on board with the process. And that can be difficult because you're dealing with a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. People have different connections to different things. And it's really getting clear on what needs to happen. So if you're looking at that the house needs to be cleared, we need to sell the house, and then we need to move on. That's a great start and to get everybody on board. But that's not always the situation. You know, mm-hmm. one sibling may have something different. So that's part of a lot of the reason a lot of people call me in. I actually act like a mediator in yeah. a lot of cases yeah. where I kind of give the, the tips and the tricks sure. as to here's how we all get on board with this. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I'd say the biggest thing, communication. Yeah. You have to be very honest about what you're looking for out of this, what you want out of this, because everybody has to get on board. Yeah. There's a lot of emotions. It can be raw. There's a lot of connections. And what you find you're connected to, somebody else may not, and mm-hmm. vice versa. And it's just being, it's opening those lines of communications in a way that is uh, positive and helps move everybody forward. You have to remember everybody's going to grieve differently. We're all at different stages. We've got to give everybody a little bit of grace. For sure. You know, that's um that's that's so hard, you know, when when there's because we all communicate differently, right? <laughs> and what what even if I think I'm being clear or I'm saying something that somebody else understands, I mean, this is you're you're absolutely right. You are definitely coming in with you're wearing a lot of different hats, as I gives. Brilliant way to put it. <laughs> well Brilliant imagine. So do you just, you come in and you do an entire home, like an entire estate for somebody? In a lot of cases, yes. Yeah, a lot of times somebody has passed or they're going on to a adult um, facility where, you know, there's more care available for them. And they're left with the goods uh, in the home. And so there's all these items. um, And there is a overwhelming feeling of, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Um, and I know it has to get done, but at the same time, I'm frozen by this. Hmm. And there's also, uh, problems where people have such emotional ties to things. They can't break themselves to give themselves permission to allow themselves to move through, to process. And it is, it's part of, it is part of the process of moving forward. Hmm. Uh, a lot of times I end up with, uh, people that will just say, I want you to do it. Just clear it out for me. And I say to them, it's a wonderful thought, but you actually have to be part of this. Yeah. I need you to be part of this. So I can do all of the, you know, decluttering and I can make the piles and I can say, here's the paperwork, here's the photos. But ultimately, you have to make the choice. Mm. I can't make that choice for you. So they find when I come through and do that, they're actually able to make better choices more clearly because I've taken away one step, which was all that um, organization at the beginning of the process that they just couldn't fathom at the beginning. Yeah, tough stuff. So paperwork, what paperwork do you get together for them? Oh, everything. It can be the paperwork from all through the house. Uh, So like inventory? 
Uh, it can be, well, not so much that. It can be the paperwork that, you know, the the bills, the wills, the um, uh, the appliance manifest. Like, okay, okay. It can be yeah, like, any okay. of the paperwork. Yeah, anything that's been sitting there that, you know, we use daily in our homes, but is sitting around. In a lot of cases, a lot of the paperwork is probably not needed and has just yeah. been accumulating over a period of time. Um, and that can happen with just about anything we get in there. And that's the harder part. There's an exhausting part about that when you go through somebody else's things, um, especially when you're connected to them. I'm not connected in a way that they are. I can see through a lot of the emotion, the feeling, and that mm -hmm. connection to something and realize this is an item that can go with something else so I can lay it out very clearly. And when you break it down and then you look at it from a different perspective where you're not having to look at it from in the room and go, I don't even know how to pull everything together. Yeah. yeah. When you simplify the process for people, it makes it easier for them to make a decision and they sure. feel better about it. Tell me, how, how do you kind of ground yourself? Because I can imagine this is a very emotional thing. You're around a lot of different types of feelings. How do you tend to your beautiful heart with this kind of work? So I really do have to take care because I do get, I get involved. Um, when you walk in, in there, I, you know, I walk in a stranger and they have to trust that I'm doing something for their best interest. Right. And I can't help get connected because I'm being invited into their most sacred spaces. I'm going to see things that other people may have never seen or that the family has never let anybody else know. So I have to be trusting of that. I have to honor that. Yeah. And it is about honoring. So mm -hmm. I will make sure that I do my meditation, that I am very mindful. I, you know, I, I eat right. I uh, do exercise, all of those things, because I really do have to go in with a very clear heart and mind so that I can give my best to those people. So it is, there's a lot of self-care that I do for myself mm -hmm. so that I can be the best for them. I, I really do believe you have to do that if you're heart centered with this. And I really do believe you kind of have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that that would be hard to walk in there and be like, so black and white, you know, like that kind of energy. It's like, oh, yes. Oh, it, and that exists out there. There are yeah. uh, people and things that that's very much how they will deal with it. And some people are okay with that. Yeah. I find the clients that are attracted to work with me are the ones who need to go through a process, who don't understand it who want to be guided through and at the end come out of it feeling so much better and in fact say it helped so much. And that that to me is, to hear that for me is just the most amazing thing. Yeah. Well, you know, like we were talking about also decluttering people's homes where you said something that I loved and that was staged to stay. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. So Stage to Stay came about uh, from the North American stagers here who would go in and, you know, clean the houses and get them ready for uh, sale here. And what they started to do was people were saying to them, oh, my gosh, they would walk into their homes and go, I love this house. Why am I selling? Like, this is great. <laughs> I'm going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I know. And then the real estate guy would be going, oh, I'm nervous, thinking what the heck had happened here. But the idea became there were stagers saying, you know, I think there's a business here for them that if you actually lived in your home at the best of its ability and its uh, potential, now 
wouldn't that be great? Because we all do that when we go to sell necessarily, but we don't do it for ourselves before. And the idea is that you clear out, you declutter, you bring out your beautiful things, you set them out, you're living with less around, and you walk in and you feel comfortable and you fall in love with your home again. Now, why would you do that and stay? So stage to stay. I now, love that. I do too. Let me turn to people because what I noticed when I lived in America and sold real estate in America, mm -hmm. in the U.S., um, how often people moved. And it was maybe three to five years when I, I mean, I would have, that, that's a pretty quick turnaround, I think, of uh, owning a home. Mm -hmm. Now, when I moved to Sweden, people don't move as much here. It's very expensive to have real estate here to purchase real estate. Um, but, I mean, I, I like the thought of, why don't you love where you are? Stay, I mean, make it nicer, get, you know, have, get rid of things now or have people in and have sales or what have you or auction houses and mm -hmm. get rid of the things. But you said something that you also come up with is that people think their stuff is worth so much. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love, love people for thinking that so much of their things are so valuable that they just love them so much that they don't want to part with them because there's big value. And sometimes there is. And it's the associated value that they put on things that can be so tough. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I could just see like the siblings of somebody, oh, that's worth a lot of money. We're going to make a lot of money on that. It's like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and that's the problem. And very often, when you get into the situation of multiple people involved, someone thinks something's worth more. Sure, <laughs> I do not take great pride in being able to show them. Mm, here's the examples. Here's what they. So maybe this isn't worth what you think it is. Yeah. Now, if you can find somebody to pay for that, yeah. you take it later. Try to sell it. And please tell me where you're doing that because yeah. I would love to be able to offer the same thing to my clients. Um, and it's hard because. You want to, you do not want to devalue what somebody feels about something, right. that something doesn't have value. I don't want to be that. I don't want to take that away from somebody, mm -hmm. but I also have to be a realist with them and show them, sure. you know, tell them what's going on. And we're sort of in a very interesting point in, um, on the planet where we've never, yes. I don't think we've ever had this much wealth amongst so many people, even though it is becoming narrower and narrower. But we all have been able to provide for ourselves. And the idea of a wedding and a wedding presence before you would set up a home, a lot of times now people don't even need that. Mm -hmm. So when they're young and moving out on their own, they're sort of already set up with the new things. They don't need that generational um, uh, yeah. wealth or those items coming down to them where before they were very much appreciated. And it's not that they're not appreciated, but they're not needed in the same way. Mm -hmm. So we now have this glut of items coming out to a marketplace because there's far more people downsizing, decluttering, passing away. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the market dictates what's going on. There's more of those items on the market. So the prices come down. Supply and demand. Exactly. So you can only push certain items and certain things into certain places. And past that, the value of things just doesn't hold. And our antique are not what they used to be. And it's yeah. that we have beautiful things that don't have the value. So I tell people, love them and use them, 
but don't hold on to them just because necessarily there's a monetary value attached. Yeah, yeah. or you think there's going to be a monetary value attached. Yes. I found that also here in Sweden. You know, there's so many old homes, and so there's furniture that's potentially several hundreds of years old. I mean, yes. where which are they're beautiful, but the like the next generation doesn't want it. But unfortunately, the next next generation they're too young, and so this generation doesn't want to hold on to it for their kids. So it's like, oh gosh, all these beautiful things, the beautiful mm -hmm. woods and the linens and all that. That's just gonna go into the recycling or junk. Yeah, which is sad. It is, but you know, I, I think it's also going to. We're going to hit a point where there's going to become an appreciation for them. Mm -hmm. I I do think. I don't know when. I don't think it's going to be necessarily this big trend where people are all of a sudden going to rush and everybody's going to fill their home with antiques. Mm. But I feel and I hope that people will start to value some of those pieces mm -hmm. as important milestones and markers and memories for people without impeding and becoming a burden onto their lives. Because that mm. can happen too. Because if you're just throwing it into storage and it just sits in a basement, why would you keep a beautiful piece Sitting in a basement underneath a drop cloth yeah. and you could be using it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. And also like recycling in our own homes. That's what I also really appreciate about stagers that come in that instead of bringing in new things to use what you have and move things around. And uh, when you have furniture in the basement or you have different things, yeah. I've had so many gifted friends over the years that have been able to see things like that and just say, how am I moving this around? Like, exactly. Good. And it's interesting you, yes, it's interesting you say that because I know in a couple of cases where we would move things spatially around in a home when we were going to sell it or, you know, working with that. And they would say, oh, I never thought of using in my, of that, that piece like that in my next hall. That's where I'm going to use it. <laughs> and it, it regenerates. It is. It's wonderful when you can actually find the joy and the love for a piece again or something mm -hmm. um, that's been sitting there the whole time. Yeah. There's a, there's a premise here in Sweden called Sleet och Sleng. Sleet and like where you just like use it a couple of times and you pitch it, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, just like, oh, I'm just getting rid of it. I'm just throwing it away. I'm just throwing it away. It's like, well, if you can use it or reuse it or recycle it, because, you know, the thing here I told you, I love the recycling stations here. It's yeah. so beautiful. Um, I, not beautiful, but I mean, I, I love the whole idea of being able to, you know, this weekend when my husband and I were working, we were working in our front entry and we went down and we went up and did what we could as far as our death cleaning process that which has begun and just to be able to move it out of here right away get it out of here right away and how lucky we are to have the availability of a place to bring things to then have it be repurposed reused recycled for other things that's not every country has that no but you hit on a very great uh, note there it's that idea that you actually part of the process of moving through is seeing those items leave and that is such a key part of actually seeing progress. You actually, at some point, have, oh, I know, there's such greatness when yeah, you look at a space and you realize you've accomplished and that part of it's gone. You know, you can kind of cross that off the list. Well, that's the whole, oh, I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Love oh, it. Good. I love this. Because the whole idea of by going room by room, which is, you know, we had a discussion about that where... You know, I kind of have made my list. Okay, I want to start here. I'm going to go here and here and here and here and here. And so starting in the entry where I had my, my donate pile, my recycle pile, and then the, the pile that actually would have to be like burned, the stuff that has to be, because it can't be reused or recycled because it's basically trash. Um, and that's just like, 
having it done and seeing my piles, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. And then I was like smiling the whole way to the recycling station. Like, Good and then you. to donate it, the man, he was so funny when we went to the, um, the donation place. He would come in with all these boxes and he's looking at it. He's like, thanks. You don't want my pink garment bag from 84. <laughs> but that, you just raised a very good point. It's, it's that feeling that what we have then has this big value to somebody else. And it's that ownership. And I try to tell people all the time, you are doing a good thing. But remember, you know, you can't. Not that your stuff was not good, but there's people that I have that tried to donate and it is garbage. And yeah, they want, they, they want it comes from a good place, but I have to remind people you can't just donate the garbage, your garbage to somebody else. Exactly, yeah. it is yours, you have to deal with it. But you're right, it's I love if a guy looks, yeah, oh, great, thanks very much. Yeah, that's what I kind of tell them is that. People are not necessarily going to be as excited about your stuff either. So, <laughs> I mean, it was nice. Stuff. <laughs> of course, it was. <laughs> of course, it was. <laughs> so, tell me, because you know, as I sit and look around my house, and I have so many things from my elders, and Thomas has things from his deceased parents, and you know, there's like that that nostalgia, that like, oh my god, I don't, I shouldn't. It's a mentality. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How do you have any tips for people like me? Because I mean, I I'm trying to do this with the like with my with my head on straight, not like I'm gonna drop dead next. I mean, also I had no idea I might drop dead next week. I don't know, but I want to get my home and my my body, mind, soul, spirit, my home in order so that I can feel at peace today. The whole idea is what I want to share with others and meet new people and share new people with my people. Do you have any tips or ideas for people to just to think about as an exercise maybe even for themselves when they're holding on so tight to something that's maybe... And a lot of, yeah, and a lot of times I find the reason they're holding on so tight is it's that memory. And they feel that if they let go of that, they're letting go of the memory. Mm -hmm. And so the one thing I ask people to do is really think about what does this item mean to you and why are you so connected? Is it that it brings this wonderful memory or do you feel obligated? Because there's a lot of people that feel obligated to keep it. Oh, yeah. Obligation that this is family history. This is nobody else wants it. So I have to take it on. Mm -hmm. And I say to people all the time, how does this item make you feel? Well, this sat in our home and blah, blah, blah. And they come with these great stories. And they say, ah, but you haven't told. <laughs> yes, thank you. And I say, but that's not what I asked. How does this make you feel? And some people right away have response. Some people have to think about it. And other people don't have an answer for me. And I say to them, I want you to think about your connection to this item. It is an item. It is not the person. And I want you to, before you make this decision, decide. Is this, val is this a value to you to keep in that this will bring you joy in that you are going to take this out and put it up somewhere because people will have in a room, you know, pictures, all of these things and, and paintings, of uh, uh, vases, lamps, but they don't have them out on display. And I say, what is preventing you from putting them out there? If you're holding real value to this, yeah. why do you not have them? Because things of value you put out, things of beauty and things that you like, you put out. 
So if you haven't done that, what's holding you back from that? Do you feel guilt because you don't love it as much as you should? Do you think your mother or your father or somebody would be, you know, scolding you for you shouldn't be doing that? The items now belong to you and I'm giving you permission to choose what you want to keep, where you want to put it, or what you want to let go. And often there's a little light bulb that goes in. They realize, oh, this is my decision. There's a past and a history to it, but it's mine now. And then that can also bring a lot of other rush of emotions going, oh my gosh, they're gone and now it's just me. Yeah. But I say to them, I'm here to support the fact that you get to choose and you do. And it is that ultimate is that this belongs to you now. You can choose. There's no um, judgment or criticism for this, but what do you want to keep? And if people do that and think about it as separating the memories and all these other things from just the item, I find they have a better chance of coming to uh, peace with it and really either embracing it and loving it or saying, this isn't serving me at this point or yeah. not or the yeah. future and I'm ready to let it go. And I find I will get a larger proportion of what they are keeping gone because of that, because I've given them permission. So I ask people to give themselves permission to let things go. That's really good because I think that there's a lot of holding on to the, the burden from the family said this was for me. So that meant something to them. So then hence, hence it has to mean something to me yes. when maybe it doesn't, it truly doesn't. And it's just one more thing that you have in the home that you got to go like, got to take that. So this is the perfect example to give for this. When my grandparents passed away, we were all very close. We've been a very close family. My dad and his two sisters and all my cousins who are almost like brothers and sisters to me, my cousins. Um, we went through the house and after my dad and his two sisters had sort of, you know, picked the things that they knew that they wanted, of course, you know, upper levels there they get to, and they said, all right, we all know there's certain things that are, you know, granny or papa wanted you guys to have, but let's go through and do that. And I'll use the example. There was a painting and I know my brother had always liked it and my, but it was going to my aunt. It was always said it was going to my aunt. And my aunt said to my brother, she turned to him, she said, you know, I like this painting but it's always just been assumed that it's coming to me. She goes, but I think you love it. Do you want it? And my brother was, no, no, that's for you. And what happened was we went through this lovely process of, well, actually, I love this, but I like that. Yeah. And there was this beautiful exchange that everybody sort of was able to take things that had great meaning to them, mm -hmm. but maybe was, you know, earmarked for somebody else, but nobody cared enough to fight about it mm -hmm. because we just wanted everybody to have what they wanted or a piece of that and have something they loved. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always happen. That is a very rare. We were That's very true. lucky, but we were able to laugh about it because we were saying, this isn't how this was supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you were all over it. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was far better. And I think I wish everybody could have that experience with that. No. And there were some items where of course, more than one person wanted and there was no fighting, but it was like, well, you know, who's going to, you, no, you take, and there were times when we were actually saying, no, no, you take this, you no, take no, it. You? In lovely ways. Yeah. Not because we were trying to pawn it off, but because everybody cared enough to say, and that to me, I should write a book about that. Like, because yeah. honestly, people I, don't think that, that. I don't think that's the experience most people have. Yeah. And it was very beautiful. And yeah. as much as, you know, we were sad, it was a closing of a chapter. It was a wonderful way. And I know my grandparents would have been proud to think that that, yeah. that went, even though they had said, well, this should go to this person. They'd just be happy to know that whoever had it loves it. Well, I'm sure it's much more important that I think I love that what, what you say about 
well, I loved it, but you know, I like it, but you love it. You know, what yes. a difference, what a difference in that. It's like, you yeah. know, well, I actually do. And for somebody to graciously accept that also, that's, that's nice. Exactly. Like I took the one thing I wanted out of the house was a beat up old enameled, and they call it the tea biscuit bowl, which my grandma made the tea bit. Nobody wanted, and they all laughed when I said I wanted, they said that was going out in the garbage. I said, I know you all thought it was, but I want that. It's coming home with me. Coming home. And I use it. And so I love it. I love it. Yeah. It reminds me in such a beautiful way and it's used. Now it does sit in a drawer, but it's got a special spot. And when I do make the tea biscuits, that's what they're made in. It's that's just pretty funny what meant something to me yeah. meant nothing to anybody else. That's good. That's just, I think that's lovely. I think it's... Yep. You know, I, I don't I don't like fighting. I'm not, I'm I'm a peaceful girl. I like for everybody to get along. I'm not going to be causing a crazy stink with anything. It is certainly not over things. Oh. Um, and it's I've had um, some family here in Sweden, and I didn't I don't even understand how this works. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. But when a, when a family member dies, that there's a, like an auction, not not an auction, but like people like bid for the things in their own home. Yes. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of that before. Um, mainly that becomes just the settlement of the goods as such, where they go in and they, they assess values to everything so that it's the, mm. it's distributed more evenly, I think. Because, okay, so it has a financial yeah, sign. Yeah, usually, because, you know, you don't want the one kid to get the Mona Lisa and then the other kids get nothing. <laughs> the tea biscuit bowl. So, yeah, if, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been happy with the tea biscuit bowl. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just say too much upkeep on the Mona Lisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's not that pretty. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. No. Um, oh, I love it. There's just so many options. I mean, it's just it just goes to show us, you know, to get creative, and that when we're dealing with families, when we're working through death, when we're working through the thought of planning for death and we're uh, staging to stay. I mean, all these different opportunities and alternatives are out there for us. And I think that it's super important that we we consider that there are people like you, there are people like me, there's people like Tammy Falls that are here to help. We're not, we were never meant to do it all alone. No, and I think that's the key is that every, and I said this right at the beginning, so many people say, I didn't know your services existed. Yeah. And once they do, they say, I, I can't believe that people don't know that this exists because mm -hmm. they can struggle otherwise with them. Yeah. And it's yeah. so beautiful to think that we can help them in a way with our knowledge and experience and help make it easier for them because yeah. that's what they're looking for. Yeah. I think people forget that this in oftentimes this is the first time especially if somebody's passed away parents this is the first time that the siblings have had to work together as a family in this capacity mm -hmm. since they were probably since before they left home yeah. so that's tricky because as much as you get along the dynamics might have changed you know power struggles those sort of things they all play into it in mm -hmm. birth order so to think that they can just walk in and everything's going to be absolutely perfect there are people that can't mm -hmm. and i Bless them for being able to do it. That's amazing. But for those that want the, you know, the help, we're here. And it's amazing that these services are available to them. Hmm. To us. <laughs> to all of us. Exactly. Anybody who anybody who is open and willing to uh, have us come in. And... That's right. That is so right. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. It's an important conversation. You know, this thank is... You. 
it is vital that we share the information. And when I said that I had this podcast, you know, that we talk, I speak with people who are doing things differently, who dare to live a life of like authenticness and to show up in the world in a way and supporting others that maybe don't get the support. I mean, those are the kind of cool people I want to have on here. And you you are absolutely a perfect specimen of oh, a perfect guest. Thank and you. And I connected with you right away because you have this drive and this passion for it. And it's amazing what you're doing and this this new path you're taking too. I just okay. want to support that with you. Thank you. The more of us out there doing this yeah. good work, the more we can help people, the better off we all are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am right with you. Absolutely. Thank you, my new friend. Thank, Thank you for you. being on today. And maybe we can have you back. Maybe you, me, and Tammy could do oh, something one time. That'd be so much fun. I would love that. <laughs> oh, my. We, yes. we got to figure out how that's, that can happen. It can't be that hard. Yeah. We can figure no. it out. We can figure it out. Definitely. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you today. So and you have a beautiful, beautiful afternoon there in Canada. You as well. Have a great day. Thank you so much again. Thanks. Look forward to talking to you soon. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of More Moths to the People. I am Asa Nilsson. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, share it with a friend. I want to say thank you to Kamel Asli for his help with the production of this podcast. Without him, this would not even be in your ears today. I can assure you of that. And let me... Let me say a little something about my friend, Gregory Paul Donaldson, may he rest in peace, who would always leave me with this quote. He would say, in the meantime and between time, whatever you do, do it well, and then pass it on. Peace and most importantly, joy. I want to leave you with that as well. I'll see you on the flip side, my friend. Take care. <laughs>